Section three of the Black Cat, Volume One, Number Eight, May eighteen ninety six. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Sonia. The Black Cat, Volume One, Number Eight, May eighteen ninety six. Section three. A hundred thousand dollar trance by Eugene Shade Bisbee a half dozen greeting voices rang out from the group who were toasting themselves before the blazing fireside of the bohemian club as lloyd entered and approached them with his easy stride heard the news haven't you lloyd asked one of the toasting group i can't say which news barton returned the other at the same time accepting a hot toddy from the hand of an attendant of course i mean the news about our distinguished guest for the evening dr good i heard he was to be here if that's what you mean anything else only that we are to have something entirely new on hypnotism psychology and occultism what you will in fact our eyes are to be profoundly opened if the word of our distinguished friend and president is to be taken for norris says the learned doctor will spring a few things on us that will put us to thinking calls to newcastle my dear boy an old story all the fellows have it and are on the qui vive to catch the first news i just came from the holland and claridge and wentworth had me collar and elbow for an hour about it twas all i could do to get away at all time the old fellow was here isn't it lloyd glanced at the clock over the fireplace handed his emptied glass to the servant and then first looking inquiringly about the room dropped into a rocker drew a cigarette from his pocket struck a match and settling himself comfortably was at once one of the waiting assembly all alert for the next comer his last inquiry was answered by the appearance of the man in question dr good who came in with norris the genial president of the club and with a nod to the group passed on toward the library the bohemian club was an organization of talented men in varied walks of life who had for mutual advantage and pleasure leagued themselves together into one of these gregarious associations which find so much favour in big cities hidden away in the very heart of the metropolis the club was as much apart from its noise and traffic as if it had been ensconced beneath the green foliage of some south sea isle within its portals were to be found treasures no other could boast pictures hung upon its walls which bore signatures world famous in the new and reigning school and best of all these very men were to be found beside the cheery fireside original manuscripts of celebrated books and scores of operas popular songs masterpieces of sculpture volumes of prose and poetry all bearing their author's signatures filled the rooms until the cosy place was a veritable museum of autographical treasure no great man became its guest who did not leave with the club some such impress of his visit and none touched our shores who failed to share its hospitality its membership was limited to a score but upon the occasion of its monthly dinners each member was entitled to a card of invitation for one friend and the character of the entertainment offered was of such a nature that these cards were most eagerly sought on this particular night there was not a single vacant chair when the president opened the festivities with the formal gentlemen i greet you in a small sherry and bitters which was drunk by all standing then for an hour or more the thirty odd of us devoted ourselves to one of the club's famous dinners spiced by a merry story half overheard here and there told by some one to his neighbour 
and the occasional response to an impromptu toast suggested apropos by another finally when the last course had been served and the brandy and coffee gave place to sparkling champagne our president arose and smilingly bowing to us all first and then toward the guest upon his right said gentlemen allow me to present to you one whose name alone long since become a byword in the scientific world is sufficient introduction the world-famous psychologist who has honoured us by his presence to-night dr richardson good of london a burst of applause greeted his words as dr good arose and faced the company the appearance of the man would have claimed attention anywhere tall and powerfully made he dominated the assembly not merely by his figure but by a face whose most striking feature was a pair of piercing grey eyes that gleamed from beneath bushy black brows to add to this impression of strength the smooth-shaven face was deeply lined the jaw was square and determined in fact his whole presence was both massive and imposing as his eyes wandered with an amiable gleam from face to face until they fell on my own i seemed to feel that they were looking right into me rather than merely at me and i recall wondering at the time if others felt their influence in the same way but there was small time for such speculation then for in a full deep voice that eminently became the man he began a talk on the new developments of hypnotism that as he warmed to his subject became so intensely interesting as to rivet the entire attention of his audience and hold them spellbound of course we had all seen and read of experiments in this subtle science but none of us had ever heard of such marvellous results as dr good claimed not only to have witnessed but to actually be able to accomplish himself receiving our silent acknowledgment of the fact that many things could be achieved through hypnotic suggestion he went so far as to state that it was entirely possible to cause any disease to actually manifest itself upon a subject to whom it had been suggested while under the spell of the operator that he had the disease he claimed that the entire physical organism of man was so influenced by the brain that results suggested would speedily follow the trial a man to whom liquor was a most nauseating dose drank it greedily and with most evident enjoyment when told by the doctor that he was very fond of it this we could not gainsay but if his assertions had up to this point met with no open opposition so much cannot be said for the startling one which we were called upon to accept in childlike faith a moment later and there were many incredulous smiles and a few open laughs and cries of no no doctor that's too much and come come now go it gently doctor to which he only smiled patronizingly at once taking another tack at this point his eyes wandered about the company until presently he was looking intently at and to all appearances addressing himself solely to me as i listened i found his words grow confusing i wondered if the champagne or the heat of the room had made me drowsy then gradually as i looked into those gleaming deep-set eyes his voice grew faint and far away the objects in the room faded until i could see nothing clearly except that massive smooth-shaven face with the lamplight shining full upon it finally that too receded until as i tried uselessly to arouse myself from what i felt to be a most unbecoming position i saw only two burning coals of fire gleaming at me from apparent space then i knew no more
whether my unconscious state had lasted ten minutes or as many years i never could have told but later from the others i learned that i had been asleep about five minutes it was with no surprise however that i found myself again looking at the master of this art and when i heard him say now mr brooke let me have that check please i found i held a paper in my hand which i passed up to him without an instant's hesitation he read aloud a check payable to himself and bearing my signature it was for a large sum and drawn on the bank in which i was a partner my amazement must have shown itself in my face for he smilingly passed it back to me and asked me if it was my signature i was bound to acknowledge it but where did i get the pen and ink doctor i cried thinking i had him oh you went into the library and wrote it he answered a statement in which he was upheld by the entire assembly norris here interrupted with a question which brought us all back to that assertion of the doctor's which had met with such sceptical reception this was nothing more nor less than the claim that his was the power to so thoroughly infuse the mind of a subject with a certain idea as to make that idea become a fixed fact and the desired result follow which assertion was crowned by the statement that the brain having sole control of the physical being if he should suggest to some young man the subject of a hypnotic trance that he was an old man decrepit and feeble his subject would become so thoroughly imbued with the idea that physical transformation would follow and the young man would grow old before our very eyes i don't mind laying any reasonable wager against such a power doctor said our president very well answered the doctor i am quite ready to accept your proposition providing a subject can be secured who is willing to assume the risk for i tell you frankly i do not believe that i can restore to him his youth we may fell the sturdy oak but who can restore it we may destroy the most magnificent works of nature but who has the power to create even the most insignificant a soft musical voice broke gently in upon him saying gentlemen i'll make you both a proposition i am ready to have dr good try his powers on me with one proviso that the winner give me his winnings the voice belonged to lloyd and the attention of the entire company was attracted by his offer one of the brightest stars among the younger journalists his many exploits in that enterprising profession were well known to his friends and indeed to the public but it seemed beyond belief that he would run the risk of losing his youth and strength at one blow for the sake of journalistic fame or even for a fortune large or small yet the desire of the company for the experiment was at such a heat that cries of bravo good for lloyd rang out for a full minute drowning norris's attempted reply when finally he could make himself heard he said well doctor for my part i will accept mr lloyd's offer and if i lose the wager will present him with whatever sum you may mention this is perfectly agreeable to me mr president and since the gentleman assumes such a risk of living fifty years in half as many minutes i would suggest that we make the sum a large one for the sake of the beneficiary would one hundred thousand dollars be satisfactory ordinarily the sum named might have excited comment but as the doctor's wealth was reported fabulous while norris was known to be a triple millionaire 
the size of the wager seemed nothing extraordinary and it was accepted in a moment and now gentlemen proceeded dr good i must ask absolute quiet and perfect attention you must all aid me by remaining as nearly passive as possible as for you mr lloyd you must give yourself quite entirely to me and not endeavour to thwart me though this with a confident smile you cannot do that if you will then followed a discourse upon the power of the brain over the body a discourse so interesting so impressive in short so magnetic that lloyd was almost forgotten when our attention was restored to the subject of the experiment by the doctor saying now my friend you are not feeling very well but it will not last long you will soon gain more strength but at your age you cannot hope to recover as rapidly as in your youth let me see how old did you say you were oh yes seventy on your last birthday so it was well well that's a very good old age though your beard is not very white yet i sat directly opposite lloyd and when the doctor made this remark about the beard i noted that the young journalist had a beard which rather confused me for i had always thought he wore only a moustache meantime dr good kept talking to him in a monotonous tone lloyd's eyes were closed and he lay back in his chair as if in sleep i cannot recall distinctly what the doctor said but as i looked i fancied a change crossed the features of the subject he surely did not look so young as he used i was watching him closely forgetful of everything save the fact that some strange fascination kept my eyes on his face yes beyond a doubt there had been some change taking place in not only his face but his whole body something i felt but failed to grasp as i struggled to define the change much as one endeavours to recall an indistinct dream i was suddenly aware of the doctor's voice saying you are quite bald aren't you mr lloyd and saw that person put his hand up to his head it was actually bald with a heavy fringe of snow-white hair ending just above his ears i saw it distinctly but as i recalled afterward it gave me no shock but rather came as a natural sequence of the whole evening's occurrences then the deep voice again monotoned will you kindly step over to the mirror mr lloyd and still unmoved i saw that it was an old man who left the chair and tottered around the table to the mirror over the fireplace he smiled as he moved but looked at none of us when he reached that point and looked at his reflection in the glass he turned around and with a cackling chuckle to the company said well mr norris the experiment has been rather a success don't you think and norris without a word rose from his chair stepped into the library for a moment returned and handed him a check if i thought anything of his silence it was that he was too agitated for words lloyd put the check in his pocket chuckled after the manner of an old man and in a cackling voice said now i hope you will excuse me gentlemen i'm not feeling very strong <laughs> i'll have to get you to identify me in the morning mr norris he ambled across the room the door closed behind him he was gone with his departure the nature of the monstrous experiment we had just witnessed seemed for the first time to burst upon us 
in a moment all our excited interest was transformed into a sickening horror and with a common impulse we rushed panic-stricken out of the door and into the night we never saw lloyd again but we heard from him just a month after our president arose at our dinner and drawing a letter from his pocket said gentlemen i have a letter here from our late friend lloyd it came to-day and fully explains itself it is as follows caracas venezuela january twentieth eighteen fellow members of the bohemian club in writing to inform you of the death of dr richardson good of london on his way to this place to join me i am able to add a line which will explain to you the remarkable experiment of which you were witness less than a month ago during my last visit to london i met the late doctor at a lecture and becoming deeply interested in his wonderful powers cultivated his acquaintance with a view to perfecting myself in the art to some extent i succeeded and have on several occasions notably the last time we dined together at the bohemian club been of considerable assistance to him in influencing his subjects when he was experimenting upon several simultaneously the doctor learned his profession by long years of deep study in india and i think you will agree with me when i say that he learned it well knowing his power as i did an idea flashed across me i needed money journalism was too tedious a road to wealth i wrote to dr good and made him a proposition being not over scrupulous he accepted it on half shares and at once sailed for new york the result of his trip and consequent introduction to the bohemian club you all know my dear boys it was a put-up job he did not hypnotize me at all i did not grow old he hypnotized you every one of you with my humble aid and made you believe you saw it all my ageing the tottering across the room the bald head and cackling laugh yes you saw it all during hypnotic sleep i was forced to leave you rather abruptly owing to the waning power of the doctor over so many of course i needed no identification at the bank since i had changed none and i readily cashed the cheque and sailed for this place but i shall leave here at once i have made my fortune now and intend to run no risk of prison bars for i have bought a fine plantation in a nearby country where extradition does not obtain and shall settle down and become an ideal cocoa planter i dare say i shall marry one of the many beautiful senoritas of the country and if any of you boys ever find your way down here and should run across me you will find no heartier welcomer or more hospitable host than your late companion greville lloyd End of section 3